have lots of jam and spinach. Camelot for Jack and Jacqueline But on the Che Guevara Highway Filling up with gasoline Fidel Castro's brother spies A rich lady who's crying Over the luxury's disappointment So he walks over and he's trying To sympathise with her But he thinks that he should warn her That the third world is just around the corner Soviet Union, a scientist is blinded by the resumption of nuclear testing and he is reminded that Dr. Robert Oppenheimer's optimism fell at the first hurdle. only noise I hear is the sound of someone stacking chairs and mopping up spilled beer and someone asking questions and basking in the light of the 15 fame-filled minutes of the fanzine writer. Mixing pop and politics he asks me what the use is I offer him embarrassment for my usual excuses While looking down the corridor Out to where the van is waiting I'm looking for the right leap forward Jumbo sales are all and pamphlets have been posted Even after closing time There's still parties to be hosted You can be active With the activists or sleeping With the sleepers While you're waiting For the great leap forwards Oh, one leap forwards Two leaps back Will politics get me to sack Waiting for the great And cut out the middle bags Right
welcome to the weekly review. This is Roman. It's Friday, May 18th, 2018. We are broadcasting live in the Mission District in San Francisco, California. We're on Ohlone land. And it's, oh, we'll be getting to some news and current events this week. Open up the show with Billy Bragg's song. Waiting for the great leap forward. I appreciate that song. It makes me feel good. Hopefully it made you feel good as well. So as a, as we begin this show, sometimes I go on a rant. Sometimes I talk about things that are going on in my life. Other times I just play some music and then get into that a little bit later. We'll, we'll see where I'm a little bit on edge today. I'm not sure why I did meditate this morning and I still feel a little bit on edge. So We'll be addressing that at some point because there's a lot of things happening in the world that are deeply upsetting and disturbing. I was speaking with Pam, who's the station manager here before the show, and Pam mentioned, uh, you know, breathing before the show or stretching, and I was like, oh, that's a good idea, something I haven't thought about after, you know, I've been doing this show for now like four and a half years, and oh yeah, maybe breathing beforehand might be a good thing to start with, so I appreciate that suggestion. And we will have um, someone calling in later today, very much looking forward to that. And we'll be talking with folks who are affiliated with the Queer Women of Color Film Festival in San Francisco. And that will be happening at Brava uh, from June 8th to June 10th. And if folks are interested in learning more ahead of time, you can check out festival2018.qwocmap.org. And there's a lot of information there. And we'll be also hearing some more later on in the show starting around 1230. So please do stay tuned for that. Thank you all so much for listening. We are broadcasting here live at Mutiny Radio. If you'd like to support the station, please go to mutinyradio.fm. We have a donate button. You can donate there. We also have spaces here available for rentals if you are interested in having a show here of your own. Music, spoken word, comedy, politics, it's all open. So if you're interested, please do get in touch with us. We would love to have you here. And the more voices we can put on the air, the better. So I guess we'll start right in and thinking about uh, Gaza, which has been on my mind. And I think it's, it's, I recognize this is the, we're in a radio show here and it, we are based on audio and words and there are many things that happen in the world where I find I am at a lack of words. I can feel it in my body and it's difficult to put into words and as someone of, of Jewish descent, it's really just bizarre and to recognize that there is land that I somehow have access or rights to based on my genetics while other people um, who have, whose families have lived there for generations don't have that same access or the same rights. It's, you know, the, the, I guess there's a term cognitive dissonance where it's like, how is this thing true? How does this, how does this exist? And I personally, it just goes back to my belief that we should, if we lived in a world without borders, without these lines on maps, these invisible lines on maps, it would be the better for the, the greater good. And I know it's easier said than done, and a lot of folks might not subscribe to that or question it or think it might be harmful. And right now, people, dozens of people at least have been killed. And as someone who's, you know, we're here in the United States and knowing that tax dollars go to militarization and knowing that we're connected to that in a way as well is really difficult. 
And I also want to recognize that there's the media outlets out there which kind of spin their sides of the story or want to somehow put out the idea that somehow this is, is justified when it's not. And imagine the Israeli military is so well-armed and imagine if that were to, if they were to maybe take on neo-Nazis instead of unarmed Palestinians. I would feel safer if that were the case because there are white supremacists who are out there killing people right now. And I understand coming from a, a background of feeling uh, attacked and feeling the need to defend oneself. I understand that. And at the same time, we should look at who is who is being attacked right now and who is being harmed. And also when you have like white evangelicals, evangelicals, <laughs> I can't even say the word, uh, evangelicals. So when you have the white evangelicals there, they're not our, they're not our friends. So strange bedfellows, I guess you could say. So if folks would like to learn more, and again, it really goes down to, I've seen folks posting some news articles that are definitely incorrect and biased. And I guess we all have our own biases with us. And at the same time, um, to hear from folks who are over there to just decrying what is happening, it's important to get the word out. So The Intercept, I, a few weeks ago, they played a, a podcast, which I shared part of on this program, and they interviewed Israelis who are refusing to fight and who are questioning what they've been, what they're being told by the government. And so wanting to really elevate those voices as well for the folks who are, who really only want to listen to Israelis, listen to the folks who are questioning their government and their military and saying they're not going to fight or follow orders. There's also a few organizations folks can join. There's Jewish Voice for Peace is one, if not now is another. So if you identify as Jewish and you would like to step up in some way, or show up, excuse me, show up in some way and or be more involved, there's a lot of chapters around the country and ways one can be informed. And these are difficult conversations to have with folks because I feel like a lot of people, myself included, come from a, a place of trauma, whether it's ancestral trauma, whether it's epigenetics, what we inherit from ancestors who have been through a lot. It can be difficult to have these conversations. And, and at the same time, it's incredibly essential that we do. So... So that's one thing that has happened <laughs> this week. I mean, it happened in previous weeks as well. And I will be posting, also if you go to the Facebook uh, weekly review page, I've posted a lot of resources and news articles there that folks can look at as well. If you go to facebook.com forward slash weekly rev, it's important we recognize what's happening and witness what's happening as well instead of deny that it's happening or assume that unarmed protesters are all terrorists because that's not true. Okay, that's out in the universe. There's a few, oh yeah, oftentimes I provide a trigger warning before the show, a little bit late on that today, so maybe it can be retroactive, <laughs> and yeah, we're, we're talking about what's happening in the world, and wanting to provide space for that. 
and it brings up a lot. And at the same time, I feel if we don't address what's happening, then that's not going to help things get any better either. So there's a few things off the top of my head that are coming up. Still white folks calling the police on black folks and indigenous folks for bizarre reasons, unknown reasons, unnecessary, completely unnecessary. So that's still been happening. And recognizing we do live in a police state. And encouraging listeners of the show, if you haven't gotten the, the message, or maybe you're listening for the first time, I should say. Thank you if you're listening for the first time. Thank you if you are continuing to listen. I appreciate that. Very much want to call into question, at the very least, the narratives put forward put forward by law enforcement, because we often hear, hear their, their side of the story after they kill somebody. And uh, when someone's killed, they don't have a chance to tell their side of the story. So it's really important to question the people in positions of power and what they're doing and what they've done and provide a space for other people to speak up and to tell their truth. That's what we hope to do here on the show. So thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting and encouraging. It's been helpful for me when I'm not on social media. And then at the same time, it's difficult as an artist and as someone who finds a lot of information through social media uh, if I'm connected with activists and folks who post articles and news, it's important just to understand what's happening. Yet at the same time, it's good to take breaks so I don't fall into too much despair. And so one thing that was posted recently, the new head of the CDC is this homophobe who is fucking gross. And gross is probably not an accurate enough term for this person. I'll, I'll pull up the article so I have the specifics on it. But the sense I got was he was homophobic and he was somehow, I can't, to even like <sighs> repeat what the, this person believes in is so, makes my body just, ugh, wanna, ugh, it's just disgusting. So you're someone who's, you know, ideally we wouldn't live in a world where we can <sighs> find a, a cure for HIV and AIDS. And this person almost has like the opposite kind of mentality, put it that way. Just the kind of opposite person that you would want in a position that's out to protect, you know, ideally you'd want to protect folks and make sure folks have resources and keep people alive and keep people healthy. And this person's on the opposite end of that. Similar to Scott Pruitt with the EPA, the people in positions of power and, and uh, Betsy DeVos with that board of ed. These are people who are actively trying to, dismantle anything that's actually helping people. So that's pretty fucking disgusting. And I'm sure there's more I've also read that I've <laughs> blocking or have chosen to block in my mind. And it's difficult. Mm. Ice are still ugh, fucking ice agents. Gestapo. I feel like they're Gestapo. They're following orders of separating families. There are new reports that they are going after folks who um, immigrants who are not even, I shouldn't say even, because that's a whole other conversation as to their, their label of who is, is a quote-unquote criminal. And I think the people in the White House are criminals. Some people in law enforcement are criminals. So the idea of like throwing... So there are folks who... It's just the... Oh, okay. 
everything's backwards. Everything's backwards. How do we make sense of it? How do we even talk about it without, how do I not lose my shit? And maybe I just need to, maybe I need to fucking just yell and scream. And I'll try to do that away from the microphone. So I don't hurt your ears. They're going after folks who have no criminal quote unquote criminal background as well. And they're separating children from their, from their parents, from their guardians, from their families. That's what they're doing. It's fucking disgusting. It's fascistic. It's violent. And the state really has a monopoly on violence. That's the end of the story on that one. So that's happening. And the people in positions of power are the ones who are enforcing it. They're legitimizing it. And they're encouraging other folks to take action in that as well, which is the scariest part. Also, 45 went on to call immigrants, quote-unquote, animals. That was his words fucking disgusting and if we look at history we know that the dehumanization of people of marginalized groups of any type of person leads to genocide so that's what's happening so how are people going to react what are people going to do to stop this why is this fucker still around why are any of them because it's obviously not just him it's his whole crew, Jeff Sessions, Mitch McConnell, all these, Mike Pence, ugh. And I want to be responsible about the language I use. I have a lot of ideas, which I don't necessarily share on the air, for better or for worse. Maybe you can read my mind. I have a lot of, I have a lot of ideas about things to do that might make the world a little bit safer for people. There might be some short-term solutions, because I do feel that we can... We need to build the kind of world we want to live in. And so eventually, as capitalism is falling, we need to have the world that we want to live in. And I recognize so many people are already and have been for generations, for centuries, working on that wor world. However, a lot of it has been criminalized, whether it's you want to grow food off your land or collect rainwater or feed the homeless, those things, or even be unhoused. Those things have been criminalized in our, in our current society. Being alive, having a certain identity has been criminalized or been made illegal. Cross-dressing used to be illegal. So how do we exist in a society that doesn't want a lot of us here, even though we are the majority? How do we live kindly and ethically and truthfully and help each other? And it's really difficult, especially under capitalism, under a system that really enforces folks to harm one another how many jobs are out there that actually involve hurting somebody else how many jobs are there in weapons manufacturing or being a prison guard or being a police officer there are a lot of jobs out there where you will get paid and in a lot of ways paid handsomely i don't know why that's a thing paid handsomely that's a term we should probably unpack you're compensated for harming somebody Yet, a lot of jobs that involve helping people, I think of uh, being a caregiver, for instance, is minimum wage. And a lot, there's a lot of unpaid labor and very low pay, paid, paid, very low paid labor. A lot of domestic work is underpaid. And a lot of work that actually helps people is illegal. I'm thinking of sex work, for instance. Why is that illegal? I mean, we know why. However, that's pretty fucked up. That actually can help. Consensual sex work can help a lot of people, yet that's somehow illegal. Yet, working in a plant that, I don't know what 
builds weapons that's somehow legitimate in society's eyes. And again, we know why. We know who profits from this. How do we shift things so we can live in the in a different world? How do we create the world we want to live in, given that there are so many forces that are against us? I don't know if we'll answer those questions today. <laughs> Putting them out there in the universe at least recognizes that that's something that's on a lot of our minds. I've had a lot of conversations with people, and a lot of us are experiencing this in our own ways. And I want to, I want to provide a voice to that and to speak it into existence, to plant seeds that even if we don't see this, we don't see prison abolition in our lifetime, it may be down the road. Even if we don't see people treating the environment fairly. Also, you would think by this point, when there's packaging for, and this goes to also with talking about consumerism, however, there's so many products that are sold in like plastic and, and items that are go right into the landfill. Maybe they recycle, but maybe they go into the landfill. You would think by now we could maybe have packaging that's all compostable. That could very well be a thing. And we could also have the, the idea that people don't need to buy things and also the people that make things are actually compensated and have, or have, they have fair working conditions. Ugh, uphill battle. That is for damn sure. Well, now that I have talked myself <laughs> into ugh, a lot, we're going to take a bit of a music break here. And we'll be back in a little bit with our guests uh, calling in around 12.30. So stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. Don't catch you slipping now. Hey, hey. Don't catch you slipping now. Hey, 
Look what I'm whipping now. Look how I'm geeking now. I'm so pretty. I'm on Gucci. I'm so pretty. I'm on get it. Watch me move. This is Sally. That's a tool. On my Kodak. Black. Know that. America, I just checked my follow and listen. You, you motherfuckers owe me.
the weekly review i am joined on the phone by kibo from the queer women of color film festival kibo thank you so much for calling in oh thank you for having me yes um so very much looking forward to this film festival which will be happening here in san francisco from june 8th to june 10th 
Um, I think I'm looking forward to it, too. Yeah. It's our 14th annual. Awesome. Um, so it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. This year, um, we're focused on um, Indigenous Futures mm-hmm. as our festival focus. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. And so um, I've, I've read here that um, many of the uh, folks who are associated with the festival um, took the Kiwak Map Film and Freedom, or members of the Kiwak Map Film and Freedom Academy. And I was Mm -hmm. hoping you could speak a little bit about that. Well, we offer free filmmaking um, training that we've been doing for 18 years now. Um, We switched it up about six years ago so that we could have um, shorter-term workshops so we could also, like, travel and partner with other organizations. So in December, we partnered with Bay Area American Indian Two-Spirits. They put on the annual Two-Spirit powwow every year. It's the biggest. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah like an amazing event it's an amazing organization and they've been long-term partners and then um, we brought in Native American Health Center as well because um, one of the things we've been figuring out about you know the filmmaking workshops uh, and what we do is that it can you know because we're serving you know cisgender queer women of color and non-binary and transgender folks of color so you know we kind of have some history right yes yes um And so what we've been doing is working with our partners to really offer not just sort of the creative support or the learning support, but other kinds of support while people are going through to really be able to tell their stories fully. So when we partnered with, um, they're called Bates and Native American Health Center, uh, we were able to, um, you know, start with prayer and song and smudging Mm. and creating a community altar. the health center also um, made it possible for a traditional healer who's very well known in the community um, to come and offer sessions with the different participants. Um, so it was really, really powerful. So those are kind of like the films that form the backbone of our festival focus and the feature screening that we're having on Sunday, uh, June 10th. And that's kind of a special program mm-hmm. because we'll open up with um, – prayer from the local Two-Spirit Society, um, and uh, an elder speaking, we'll have the Two-Spirit drum, and then there's a Danza Mexica or Danza Azteca group also performing. Then we'll have the film, and then afterwards, one of our board members, Kwakna board members, who's Apache, and a Kwakna filmmaker who's Navajo, will be talking about the representation of Native cultures and traditions in film. Um, and how that's done, and can it be done, all those kinds of things. So it's actually a really um, special program that we're offering this year, so we're really, really excited about it. Oh, yeah, that sounds great, and very necessary as well. It, uh, you know, it is. There's actually a, um, a Two-Spirit elder who comes out of the Northeast Two-Spirit Society um, who said that, you know, when we kind of like they say in Spanish, you know, la cultura cura, or the culture cures, mm. and just talking about being able to see yourself and your culture represented yes. in a good way yes. means that you can make healthier decisions, Yes, so it has larger impact. So that's something that I think is really important to, to clock map as a whole, but also, you know, serving our community, what ways can we you know, kind of show that film isn't just entertainment because people tend to dismiss it yes. as just, you know, entertainment. Yeah. But that's, you know, because it's just reinforcing the status quo, right? Absolutely. But, 
right? When we're seeing people who actually look like us, who have our similar stories, you know, it really can be very transformative and really, um, really, really powerful. So we're kind of reclaiming film from, from like the cis het white boys in Hollywood. <laughs> Thank goodness. Right? Who are never going to get it right. Right, and then right. Making sure that our community can tell the stories that we have to tell. Because mm-hmm. um, we offer the filmmaking workshop for free and the film festival is free as well. Oh, that's so So we cool. can, you know, claim that power for ourselves. Yes. Oh, that's so, that's so incredible. Oh. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just really, I'm really excited about it, and just really grateful that it's happening, and for all the folks who are involved with it, because I feel like there's so many. It's from my own perspective, it just, it's so easy to feel isolated and alone, and so hopeless, given what's, what I guess what has been happening and what currently is happening in, especially in this country, right. and then to right. just to, to create the world that we want to live in and that we want to to be in, and to have that actually happening is, it feels very reassuring and very hopeful. But I, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I feel like we're generating our own help, our own hope. Mm. You know, it's like instead of going into like, you know, it's very scary and sad and depressing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. all the things, right? But in some ways, like when we're doing something active, it's almost like, you know, it's this kind of, you know, shout or cry or call against all of those things that would you know, destroy us. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things we try to do when we're doing the filmmaking workshops, but that's also really important to us in terms of the film festival mm-hmm. is it becomes like the space that we create together. Um, we work with a lot of community partner organizations to help create this sort of, you know, as safe as can be, um, just kind of knowing, you know, that they're, that's a complicated thing, but also to make it really welcoming and inclusive so this is like this is a space where you can be, yeah. Um, and and I think it's important that we create those things and actively try to create those things for ourselves because you know <laughs> the rest of the world isn't necessarily like ready for us to have that kind of space. Yeah, so it's not creating it for us. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I also I see here that there's going to be uh, 20 films that are going to be uh, presented. And that right. um, there's uh, different themes. So Friday night's going to be fierce and feral and identities, and Saturday night will be breaths intertwined and romance. Yeah, exactly. So we try to um, curate the film festival in a way that people can kind of come together around themes that we have in common or issues that we have in common. So Friday night, you know, it's it's about identity, but it's also more than identity. It's about community, right? It's mm-hmm. about like, how are we making connections with each other? How are we, how are our communities actually holding us up? So we're really excited. There's a film um, called My Life Interrupted and um, by a woman named Alana Devich Cyril. And, you know, it's about her dealing with a really, you know, like intense cancer diagnosis and treatment. And, you know, she's telling the story with real humor And at the same time, what you can see really clearly is how the community is supporting her and her partner um, and kind of lifting them up and and giving them love, right? So it's not just like kind of our our own ideas about identity. It's like, how does that play into how a community holds us up? Mm. And there are a lot of films like that um, that night um, looking at like masculine as center folks 
and also like what it is to be trans masculine mm. um, person of color, right? And having that conversation and expanding all of our ideas about, you know, who are these people in our families and our communities? How are we loving them? Or how are we not loving them the way they deserve, right? Mm. Um, so that's, that's kind of how we organized, you know, Friday. Um, and then Saturday, we really played around with all the ways that we can think about love and romance, not just sort of like a couple, but um, like a, a, a transnational, binational couple kind of navigating the separation between them, between each of them, um, looking at queerness in the Asian diaspora. Um, we had this really hot, very cute film <laughs> um, about these two elderly Latinas and an elder home, right? You know, and their romance and love. Mm. Very sweet. Um, <laughs> super, super sweet, right? It's just, it's gorgeous, right? And it, it is also like telling us to rethink about how we understand queerness, right? Mm -hmm. And understanding, you know, queerness as so much of the time it's equated with youth, yes, right? And yes. not with like, who are our elders yeah. who made it possible for us to be here? And what are some of the sacrifices or compromises that they had to make, you know, in, in being who they are, but what are the opportunities that they have now? So we're just, you know, it's really sweet and we're very excited. There's also like some kink play okay. <laughs> happening, right, in one of the films, which is great. And then we have a film about like a young queer Latinx couple and their child, you know, mm. getting pregnant and what it's like as a masculine center person to be like getting pregnant. Yeah. Um, and that whole process. So there's just all these ways that we kind of break apart the notions of what we understand to be our community and what we understand are like real human stories and struggles, but also joy and connection. Yeah. It's so important to remember that, that there's that side of things as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, we're really wanting folks to think really broadly um, because sometimes, um, well, I mean, like through the filmmaking workshops, over 425 films have been created in the past 18 years. Wow. So that's right. That's right? incredible. Right. So it's like 425 films, you know, and it's every possible combination of something that you can think of. And the great part about it is you can just look at a bunch of like queer and trans folks of Asian descent. And, and because there's so many different ways of being and different stories and different histories, you know, there's no way that someone can kind of pigeonhole us and say, oh, yes. well, that's exactly what you're like, because right. no, you've just gotten the breath of who we are. Mm. Um, and so that's like the exciting part is like, oh, you know, we do have all these stories and we do have all of this complexity and, you know, it's a, it's a big um, kind of not, I don't want to use the word wall, but it's like a, a, a protection or defense against a, a kind of way that we get stereotyped, which means all of the complexity and richness gets stripped away into one thing. And that also means that our humanity gets stripped away. Mm. And, you know, having all of these films, the 20 that we're screening this year, the 425 that have been created oh. is a way to say, this is us and our full beautiful, messy humanity. Yeah. And isn't that amazing? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, oh, I have a, I have a big smile on my face. So oh. yeah, oh, that's great. And let's see. So, um, anything, um, else you'd like to share about the, um, either the festival or any of the individual artists who are involved? Sure. Um, you know, the closing night screening Indigenous Futures was important to us. Um, this is the second time we've had a Two-Spirit or Native Indigenous focus. Um, the first one was eight years ago. And um, someone once asked us, you know, like, why is it that you have such a high level of Native representation <laughs> at Map? You know, when Native people are only like 1% to 2% of the population. Mm. And those kind of equations, like, miss out on the reasons yeah. why that population is yes. so low. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, or it's not even proportionate to need or the impact of trauma or history. Um, and I think it's important that we understand and also um, put forth the idea that it's indigenous traditions, indigenous science, indigenous technology mm. that are going to get us through the future, right? Because this way we've had that's been imposed is not working. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not working for anybody. Um, and so to really honor also whose land we're standing yes. on. Yes, yes. You know, what, what have we done to the people and the land, who you know, the people who are stewards of this land? And that's an important reminder for us of the importance of 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 why we have to see um, native cultures and traditions and native people in all kinds of ways because it's 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 a kind of um, protection against forgetting mm. right and it's a protection against acting like you know folks don't still exist and aren't still you know vibrant and amazing like there's a one of the films, this year is about the two-spirit drum and what Bates had to do to be able to reclaim the drumming t- tradition to learn all the songs. And the film is called The Indian is Still Alive and the Indian Knows the Songs. Mm. As a kind of like, you know, you've tried to get rid of us, we are still here. Yes. Yeah. And there's power in that of we are still here, we're not gone. And we haven't forgotten our history, we haven't forgotten our spiritual traditions that are the thing that that help us all as humanity be in right relationship, um, in good connection with the land and other beings on the planet. Um, So, you know, uh, folks have long said like, oh, everybody can learn so much from native cultures and it's like that's true and why aren't people right right um, learning and hearing these things and so you know the other great thing i think for me about that screening is we have voices from elders as well as youth right so there's that that sense of of continuity and that sense of um power that really comes from not being lost um and being still here and holding on to those things that make us strong. Um, so it's, it's. I mean, I'm actually tearing up. It's really powerful. Oh. And it's, it's really meaningful as well because, you know, there's um, the San Francisco American Indian Film Festival um, just lost their founder and executive director not too long ago. Oh. 
Um, and there are very few outlets for Native film and Native filmmakers. And, you know, you can think about across all kinds of TV and movies and how many Native folks you might have seen, how <laughs> to even understand. And that kind of erasure has an impact. So, you know, this screening is a big, no, we're right here. No, you cannot erase us. You can't erase our histories. You can't erase who we are. You can't erase this power. And and I think that's really powerful for folks who aren't Native to be able to see, but then also understand each other um, because we tend to reduce issues around race and ethnicity um, and, you know, kind of reduce them <laughs> into these, like, really super concentrated but completely wrong yes. ways of, of really understanding who we are as humans. And I think the more richness and specificity we have, the better it is. And so I, I really invite non-Native folks to come and learn that respect, um, come and learn the traditions, come and learn the history, come and see, you know, this incredible, traditional, futuristic um, idea of what the world can be. Yes, um, yes. So, you know, it's really powerful, and, I, and I'm really very excited. There's one film um, where we're being taught a language that is in danger of there's not that many speakers left, mm-hmm. um, maybe less than 2,500 people um, in the tribe and maybe less than that even still speak it. And what it, what it says about, um, you know, how we think um, and how we can think about the world because language impacts, you know, how you, um, how you deal with the world. The film of The Arrival was all about that, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so here you have a language that um, we're learning. We're learning these words. We're learning how this is. And there's something really powerful about someone teaching you language um, and, and teaching you a song that then becomes, you know, again, that protection against forgetting, right, or erasure. Um, and it's a kind of, you know, filmmaking as witness in some ways. Um, and so it, it becomes a thing where we're all in it together and we're all reclaiming and we're all helping to strengthen something as we listen, as we sing together, um, as we learn. And that's something that, um, I think is a real powerful antidote to, despair yes (laughs) yes you know it's a real you know pouring power into resistance and pouring power into you know what the world could be yes yeah yeah uh yes yes to all of that (laughs) absolutely oh that's great so um so how how did you become affiliated with the association um, this is very funny. So years and years ago, um, when the first workshops came around, well, actually, there's this kind of big arts thing happening in the late 90s, especially um, with queer folks of color in particular. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a whole performance project. And um, Madeline Lim, who's our founder, you know, started the filmmaking workshops you know, kind of after seeing that, you know, she was maybe one of a handful of filmmakers of color on a festival circuit or queer filmmakers of color on a festival circuit, right? So it's like, 
wait a second, we need more film. Right. Um, and so, so I took one of those early, early workshops back in 2001. And then maybe seven years later, Madeline was like, hey, there's this fellowship for queer trans people of color. Why don't you come work for Quiet? <laughs> so I've kind of been here ever since. Um, but, you know, I've gone through the workshop myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the first workshop that I took, it was really incredibly powerful to be able to tell my own story the way I wanted it told and not have to go. Um, I've been in a lot of writing workshops where folks just kind of look at you like, you know, you've grown extra eyeballs, which is great if you're into science fiction and speculative fiction like I am. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> that's kind of like, what story are you telling? Yeah. Then to be in a room where other people not only, like, understood what I was saying and the yeah. kind of story that I wanted to tell, but they could actually give me real feedback. Yes. Um, so ever since then, you know, I've been involved in film. I've made my own film. I've been producing other people's films. So I just kind of got you know, pull into the Quasnap universe. But that's also true of, like, you know, our development and events coordinator, um, Vanessa Lewis. Yes. I mean, she we've known her since she was, like, a little baby queer. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so it's been, like, a good, oh, my gosh, has it been, like, 14 years? It might be 14 years, you know. So seeing folks through their growth, even my own growth, and then figuring out ways to kind of just keep, folks involved in Quacknap over time, um, but that, like, leadership from the community, our volunteers, um, Quacknap filmmakers, they have made the film festival and the organization what it is. Like, at the film festival, we have this values and practices document that's, like, 200, I think it's, like, 250 pages at this point. And it's really long. And it lists, like, all of our values around inclusion and, you know, taking leadership of folks like Patty Byrne um, and Stacey Milburn from Sins Invalid, um, Debbie Peacock from Peacock Rebellion, mm-hmm. Leah Lakshmi. You know, all the different folks have done some really important and powerful work. And using that example to um, set up, you know, how we're going to act with each other and how we're going to practice social justice values, right? As someone said, we're kind of rabidly anti-capitalist. Yes. Right? Uh, <laughs> right? And yeah. very feminist and like, okay, yes. so how are we going to make that possible? Right. Um, so we've worked with all of these folks and like hundreds and hundreds of people have put their thoughts and their feedback and their writing and their leadership into this document. So it's not like we created it. It's like all these community leaders have put in their knowledge into it. So it's everything from, hey, we're going to have free childcare so parents can participate, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to make sure um, this is something, you know, it's kind of like what we're learning around having open captions and ASL interpreters, Mm -hmm. uh, making sure that we have foods that we're thinking about that are like delicious and whole and healthy and nutritious, but also not judging you know, not like creating additional food trauma right. and judging the foods that we have, right? Um, making sure that we have crisis counselors um, oh, wow. for 
folks and having a safety plan, which yeah. doesn't involve calling the police into the film festival. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, like our safety people are, you know, kind of how we describe it is like we're thinking it's not the, you know, security like, oh, you better get out. It's more like, yeah. hey, what's up? Yeah. How can I help? Yeah. Right? Yeah. As it should <laughs> <Right>? be. <laughs> As a totally different way of thinking about like safety and you know, thinking about all the different ways are we thinking about neurodivergence and, mm-hmm. like, what might people need? Mm-hmm. Um, what do folks need in terms of being fragrance-free? Yeah. And how do we make that happen? Um, so all of these, like, practices and priorities and um, ways of making sure that folks can be fully included and feel welcome um, have gone into all of the work that we do, but it's a big, it's like a massive community-sourced thing mm-hmm. <laughs> right it's like all of these amazing partners from Kuov to sf war oh my gosh um family builders our family coalition apiqt uh oh my gosh there's so many organizations that have just added so much to what we are and that for me is like the great part of being a part of Quasnap is it's it's like we're a container, but we're holding on to community wisdom mm-hmm. um, and doing our best to like make sure that that's, that we can do that, that we're actually living what we say. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Which has its challenges. Of course. You know, it is not an easy thing, and it takes a lot of negotiation. Um, but it's something that, you know, underpins every single thing that we're doing, and that also feels like a, a powerful light for hope, right? Or a powerful, I, don't, I guess I'm having superhero metaphors going through my head, right? You know, like, here's our little golden light power, you know, light, light through, you know, despair. Um, but I think it's also a model that we're taking from other organizations and feeding into their models as well about how can we be together? How can we be together in good ways? Um, that make us feel whole and if not healthier um, can help us in our healing path um, and ways that make us feel connection instead of isolation. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people talk about, Oh, you know, tech, you guys, you know, we do want to start streaming stuff for people who can't like come because that's a big thing around disability access. Mm -hmm. There's also something to be said for the folks who can come to be in space together, right? Um, So it's like balancing those things in ways that make people feel connected. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) We're excited. That sounds really great. And just, it's yeah, all all of that just sounds incredible. And also... Uh, appreciating all the the work and time and energy and thought that goes into putting together something like that to make it as accessible for as many people as possible. Thank you. Yeah, we're really, it's something we're really working on and working toward. I mean, you know, we've um, kind of, you know, we make inroads into things and we try and we learn mm-hmm. and then we learn the next thing and then we bring yes. out the next you know, yeah. kind of next thing that we're doing after we've, you know, kind of gotten one thing more secure then we keep doing it um, until we can kind of do the next thing. So, you know, in a few years, what we're hoping to be able to do is offer more audio description um, and more um, 
access and accommodations for folks who have low vision or are blind. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like the next place that we're going. Of course, we live in capitalist society, so all of these things are incredibly expensive. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, So even like, you know, paying for the ASL interpreters, we've just kind of been absorbing that cost as well as absorbing the cost for making open captions on all of the films. So because of the commitment, um, you know, so then, then there are other things that we can't do because we've, you know, because we just, there are fewer resources, especially if you're like, yeah, it's Queer Women of Color Media Arts Project, and we prioritize queer women who are transgender and cisgender. <laughs> <laughs> They're not exactly throwing money. Well, they should. Right? <laughs> um, so, you know, so we're trying to make it happen with what we do have and the resources that we do have. So we really appreciate our community and our community partners who've been like, hey, yeah, we believe in this. We're going to contribute to making this happen. Um, so that we can keep things free and accessible um, yeah. as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I see on the website, there's actually a place where folks can donate Yeah, on the, um, <laughs> the festival 20, well, you know, until capitalism completely falls in the meantime, right. um, <laughs> in the meantime, if we can, you know, support each other. So there's the, it's the festival 2018.quacmap.org page, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. on the right-hand side, there's the donate button. So any listeners out there, if you're able to, please do donate. Thank you for that. That would be completely awesome. Um, you know, it's interesting because we had a, an event earlier this year, and we put up a solidarity fund, um, letting people know, okay, we're going to prioritize, like, cis, queer, and all trans folks of color in this event. And if you're willing to um, kind of, make a solidarity contribution mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, you know, the folks can attend. And folks really did. And that's been amazing to see, like, how folks are like, oh, here's something I can do um, to act in solidarity. And I always think that's really amazing. And the great thing about it is it's also, like, there's so many different ways that communities of color and indigenous communities um, have figured out how to share resources mm-hmm. and, like, what that does you know, outside of the way capitalism tells us, yes. <laughs> to yeah. have, you know, allocate our resources like, oh, no, we're going to share and and how powerful that is. So I always like really appreciate that so deeply um, because it's all the ways that we care for each other is community. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And will there be opportunities for people to volunteer at the festival as well? Oh, yes. It's a free film festival, but we do, um, you know, taking care of community in the way that we want to and we strive to takes a lot of volunteers who we love. Um, And we also offer like a a volunteer um, get together where we just sit and watch the films. I think maybe one year we're going to turn it into a volunteer slumber party. I don't know yet. (laughs) But we're always looking for volunteers that can help us. Um, in all the different areas, including greening, that's huge for us because mm-hmm. um, we have like a 97, um, 97%, 98% trash diversion rate. Um, everything we bring into the festival is compostable um, oh, cool. and, the re- and everything else is recycling and the trash usually comes from the audience bringing it in. Yes. So we need help, you know, with folks who are willing to help us with that or serving folks. Um, alcoholic and really exciting non-alcoholic beverages at the bar. Um, we have childcare volunteers. Actually, with childcare, um, the Bay Area 
um, Radical Child Care Collective will be helping us with child care on Saturday, and we definitely need more people on Sunday for oh. child care. Okay. Um, and there's all kinds of ways that people can um, be involved. So there's actually a volunteer forum on the website as well. Um, and it's actually really, really fun. Yeah. <laughs> and we definitely appreciate our volunteers and and thank them um, and, you know, try to offer them as much as possible because we know that they're really putting in work to take care of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that and see that and understand that. Oh, that's great. So there's all kinds of ways to get involved, have fun, um, donate, volunteer, come hang out with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even some folks um, who can't leave home are doing stuff from their homes. Um, there's, so there's all kinds of ways to volunteer. We've had folks with some serious um, multiple chemical sensitivity, environmental injury, and they've done stuff from home. So like all the ways that people can show up, we're happy in all of those ways to work with folks Um, because we know it takes a lot to take care of our community. And I think it's a different way of like looking at resources too. Mm -hmm. That sounds really nice. Um, so aside from the website, are there other um, anything else you'd like to promote that's associated with the festival? Uh, ooh, or places boy. that folks can go? Well, let's see. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. That's kind of our focus at the moment. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's a festival uh, just about three weeks away, so mm-hmm. that's all of our energy is going towards that. Um, and in the fall, we're actually going to be having um, more filmmaking workshops. So folks are also welcome to go to the waiting list for the filmmaking workshops and sign up for those as well. Um, And we're hoping to do quite a few partnerships with different organizations to make sure that we can serve as many folks as possible. Um, Speaking of like disability access and other forms of access, we've been working for quite a few years to try to raise money to serve um, specifically um, chronically and terminally ill and disabled um, queer and trans folks of color through our workshops mm-hmm. and haven't been able to kind of like, you know, the funders are not pouring money our way to make that happen. Um, and the other thing we've been wanting to do is work with formerly incarcerated yeah. um, trans women of color in yes. particular. So we've been working really hard to raise funds to make that happen. So these are some of the things that are coming down the line um, because it's really important to us. Um, to be able to serve folks and and meet folks where they are. Mm. That's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons we changed the workshop is so we could travel to go to, like, Richmond, where there's not a whole lot, right? Yeah. (laughs) Or, (laughs) right, or somewhere in Stockton, for example, we've been there as well. So so there's all these ways that we're really working really hard. I guess I just want to say that and let people know we're working really, really hard to serve our community. Um, So for the next few years, we're going to be focused on, as I mentioned, sick and disabled folks, um, formerly incarcerated folks, definitely continuing to focus on indigenous folks, um, LBTQ Muslims of color as mm-hmm. well, as well as um, cis queer and transgender women of color who um, have survived or who are wanting to challenge violence. Yes. Um, so there's just all these different things that we're trying to make happen. So it's like community no we're here for you we're working for you we're trying to make all of this happen so you know keep an eye out because we're hoping that it will start to manifest you know within the next couple of years 
Oh, that's great. And the the festival's happening at at Brava in the in the Mission District, yes? Yep, it's happening at the Brava. It's not too far away from the 24th Street um, BART station. We are encouraging folks to walk together mm-hmm. or take homomobiles. Yeah, homomobiles. Which is yeah. like, right? Yes, they're great. <laughs> which, is like, which is like the community, you know, ride share before those other gig economy folks came through. So homomobiles is where it's at. Um, you know, and bike and just be together uh, in community. We'll also be trying to figure out, you know, um, how to how to coordinate what folks are needing. So if folks call us or email and let us know, we'll let you know what we can do because um, we want to make sure that, you know, folks are taken care of and that are feeling good about, you know, coming to Bar 24th Street. Um, we also, on the website, because it's free, we do have ticket registration. Mm-hmm. So folks who are maybe coming from the East Bay, because a lot of folks, are not in San Francisco, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you have a guaranteed ticket and you can come in and, and be assured that we can see you. Um, so you don't have to worry about making the big trip into the city. Right. And perhaps there can be like a ride sharing. Uh, folks can, can ride share with each other over. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So, and that's why we're also saying homomobiles. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, go in a big group, bring the party with you, and, and continue to have fun. Yeah, yeah, and support other, other queer-owned businesses. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. And most of our in-time donors, actually, are um, either queer-owned or they're, like, straight ally POC-owned. Mm-hmm. And they're all small businesses, most of them from the Bay Area, which has been super awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just just know that they're... they're folks are supporting our community and there's other ways that we can you know support us as well so i'm just going to make another plug for homomobiles Um, (laughs) you know because they're super awesome um and yeah just come through and and join in and have fun and let us love on you you know consensually of course oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh well thank you so much for um for calling in is there anything else you'd like to share before we go I think that's it. We'll see okay. you in a couple of few weeks yeah. at the film festival. Yeah, thank you so much. And sending much love and solidarity to all the folks associated with the festival. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, take care. Okay, take right. care. Bye. Bye. Uh, thank you so much to Kibo for calling in and we'll be posting some more information as the festival um, comes near and I've also just posted right now a link to the webpage and I'll be posting it again so folks can donate, volunteer, get the scheduling information for the upcoming festival. Oh, I have a big smile on my face. I'm so appreciative when, when good things happen and when folks create the world that we that we all deserve to live in. So... Uh, we'll take a bit of a music break, and we'll be back with some more news uh, after this. Could I unzip yours first? I just need a little, little. 
little space for some growth, a little space for some growth, a little space for some growth, please.
so I'm currently playing some music from uh, the new album uh, Travisex by El Primo Innocente, and I encourage folks to listen to this album and buy it over at Bandcamp, and you can check it out at Inopogu, and that's I-N-O-P-O-G-U dot bandcamp dot com. And that's again, the album is called uh, Travisex, and that's T-R-A-V-I-E-S-X. And we'll be playing some more songs from that on the program. I hate to depress everyone. That's not my intent. I don't want to be like, oh, some sadness. However, a story I feel like is worth sharing, and this comes from the body, thebody.com. Newly proposed, quote unquote, public charge rule could be devastating to HIV positive immigrants. And this was written by Amanda Lug, and it came out on May 16th. Just when you thought it couldn't get much worse for immigrants, it could get much worse for immigrants. In late 2017, the Trump administration announced its intention to impose harsher rules for determining when immigrants are considered a public charge, a legal determination that can block an individual's path to permanent residency, for instance, obtaining a green card. Under U.S. immigration law, a person seeking a green card through a family relationship must show that they are likely to become a pub- they are not like, excuse me are not likely to become a public charge, which under current law is someone who is unable to support themselves and thus likely to depend on the government on government benefits for income. Historically, the Department of Homeland Security has did you hear my voice go up when I had to say those words the home homeland just okay I'm gonna finish that sentence. Historically, the Department of Homeland Security has only excluded applicants based on continuous receipt of cash benefits or long-term institutionalization at government expense so as not to, quote-unquote, inhibit access to non-cash benefits that serve important public interests. The public charge test does not apply to humanitarian cases such as refugees, persons seeking asylum, Violence Against Women Act, which is VAWA, applicants, etc. On March 29th, the Washington Post received a leaked draft of proposed changes to the law showing that the DHS is now seeking to redefine public charge to include a mere use of any public subsidy rather than dependency. The new rules, if approved, would impose severe consequences on lawfully residing immigrants and their families. Otherwise, eligible applicants could be denied legal U.S. residency and would be unable to adjust their status to lawful permanent resident, uh, for instance, green card holder. If they or other U.S. citizen family members access any subsidies from a range of government programs and benefits, including the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, which is SNAP, the Special Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infants, and Children, WIC, Housing and Shelter Benefits, and Non-Cash Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, which is TANF Benefits. So once again, we see this current administration just moving even a, with a more quick, fascistic tone, trying to harm people. Ugh. 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 Goodness gracious. Okay. So there's there's that. Ideally... I don't, I don't, it's, yeah. A nice little meme popped up the other day. I don't know if it's really a meme. It's more just a, an online, it's a thing. 
It's 121, and I'm already like, whew. All right, we're going to power through. An action being punishable by a fine basically means legal for rich people. So something to consider when we hear about what's it when folks are, what people can get away with, what people can't get away with. So I think that's a really concrete way. of looking at things. All right. Notice that my I've kind of had a bit of a dip in energy. <sighs> Just reading about that and understanding it and acknowledging it. The state really has a monopoly on violence. And let's see. I think I'm going to play a little bit more music while I get my thoughts together. <laughs> and perhaps find some more positive, inspirational things to end on. It's difficult, though, when we look at the news and what's happening and sometimes see things to be wary of and afraid of, things in the pipeline, metaphorically and literally, and also want to just provide some positive things that are coming up soon that folks can take action in. So we'll be doing that. So I'm going to drink some water, going to breathe a little bit, and we're going to continue playing some music, and we'll be back in a bit. Yo, yo soy un mango. Sweet and sour, tangy, juicy, todo eso porque soy un mango. Yo, yo soy un mango. Sweet and sour, tangy, juicy, todo eso porque soy un mango. Muérdeme despacito, chúpamelo suavecito Y cuando salga el juguito, si quieres pruébalo un poquito Cuando tú llegues al hueso, síguele dando beso Disfruta de mi sabor porque soy un mango Yo, yo soy un mango Sweet and sour, tangy, juicy, todo eso porque soy un mango Yo soy un mango Sweet and sour, tangy, juicy, todo eso porque soy un mango Yo, yo soy un mango Sweet and sour, tangy, juicy, todo eso porque soy un mango Yo, yo soy un mango Sweet and sour, tangy, juicy, todo eso porque soy un mango
vencerte ni un ruido y si tú quieres besarme una vez más solo recuerda de hacerlo sin parar cuando termines si quieres lo hacemos otra vez y a veces Corazoncito no quiere funcionar Y si tú quieres usarme una vez más Solo recuerda hacerlo Sometimes los pierdo Contestaré con más placer. Y si tú quieres besarme una vez más, acepto todo. Todos los besos que tú me quieres dar cuando termines, si 
All right, and welcome back. And again, that's Inopogu from the new album Travisex that you can listen for free and also download and also purchase. So please do support our local artists. And if you'd like to see Inopogu perform, there's an upcoming show tomorrow night. That's Saturday, May 19th at 7 p.m. It's Inopogu plus Copy Slut plus Maya Songbird at... I'm having difficulty reading my notes. Some, um, it's in Oakland. It's at 577 5th Street. And Oakland.secret? Secret.Oakland? Let me look for the specific location of the place so I can give that to you all. This might take a little, just some time as we go back and check on the particular location of this event. So yeah, support local artists if you can um, see them in concert. You know, Pogu's an incredible performer and has performed here at Mutiny Radio before on the show as well as different events. And if you are interested in performing here as well, again, please check out mutinyradio.fm. There's a couple open slots. We have spaces available for rentals on Saturday nights. And there's also, if you'd like to have a show of your own here, there are uh, many spots available. Uh, please do contact Pam, uh, director at mutinyradio.fm. You can check that out for the app why are my words kind of i don't i was doing all right and then sometimes words are having difficulty coming together if you go to mutinyradio.fm please do contact us if you're interested in having a show here of your own it's a lot of fun it's great just requires getting trained on the using the equipment here you pay monthly dues and then you have a show of your own free speech it's pretty great so encouraging folks to do that (sighs) yeah and if you'd like to support the station, please do so. There's a donate button. Our rent here at the station's going up. So if you'd like to support the station, we really are just a community of folks who kind of come together and put on our program. So if you'd like to support the station, it'd be greatly appreciated. And if you'd like to donate to the show directly, that would also be super much appreciated. There's a Patreon page. If you go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev, anything from a dollar a month, and up would be so much appreciated. Uh, we do the show, um, just have the need to do it. And um, thank you to all the folks who are already supporting this show. We've been able to, as of a few months ago, thanks to all the supporters, we've been able to now cover the cost of renting the studio. So that's amazing. And if folks would like to um, add to that, that would be really, uh, I would appreciate it so much. Uh, thank you. So yeah, until, until capitalism is over uh, at the time being, um, it's helpful to have a little bit to make ends meet. So thank you so much for the folks who donate and the listeners out there and everyone as well. So the location for the show tomorrow night at 7 p.m. is oakland.secret. And again, that is at 577 Fifth Street in Oakland. You'll be hearing Inopogu as well as several other artists. And I've been playing some of Inopogu's music. It's just beautiful. So please do go out and support your local artists. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I, I'm of the part of me is I don't know where politically and ideologically where I fall. I, I recognize the system is fucked up and we need to create a new way of being. And at the same time, folks who want to work within the system in a way or at least push it leftward, I totally applaud. So we're gonna play a clip. Uh, so some some good news uh, is that. Uh, the title of the article, and this is a very brief article, I'll be playing a clip from it because it's an audio clip as well. It's from Democracy Now! And this came out two days ago. 
on May 16th, a wake-up call for Dems, question mark, four women with socialist platforms win Pennsylvania primary to replace male incumbents. <sighs> that make that makes me feel real good. <laughs> just to hear just to hear all those words together. It's like, oh yeah. I mean I think that's a part of it too. If if people in positions of power actually did represent the folks they're supposed to represent, that would be I would have a lot of different feelings about trusting elected officials. And when folks kind of go in with the actual actually an understanding of the systems that's in place and how to help people that I can definitely support. So let's, let's, uh, let's hear this clip here. And then I'll be back with another story after that. And it might help to have the volume up. So bear with me. And here we go. Yeah, yesterday, four Pennsylvania House candidates backed by Democratic Socialists of America won their Democratic primaries in, um, in Pennsylvania. Summer Lee is a lawyer and labor organizer. Elizabeth Fiedler, a former public radio reporter. Uh, Sarah Inamorado is the founder of Women's Advocacy Group. And Kristen Seal works in an energy conservation nonprofit. All four female candidates unseated male state representatives in Tuesday's primaries. The significance of this. This is a, a huge wake-up call for the for the Democratic establishment, and and one of the defeated Democrats e even tried to hustle and run a write-in campaign to win the Republican nomination at the at the last minute in uh, southwestern Pennsylvania because uh, there were there there were no Republicans running. It was an un unopposed site. And so he thought that, well, if I can get 10 votes or whatever, then, then I can get this nomination. And that's how desperate the establishment was here to cling to power, that they would do something uh, so disgraceful to them as these longtime Democratic partisans as try to get the Republican ballot. Uh, that failed. And out in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, uh, Kara Eastman, uh, with the support of a, a, a wide array of uh, progressive groups, but not the support of the more establishmentarian uh, uh, activist groups. She, she didn't have the pro-choice groups. She didn't have a lot of the environmental group support that, that relies on kind of Washington for, so, for some of its political capital. She won anyway. Uh, she beat a former Republican uh, who had become a Democratic congressman in a, in a, in a primary in Omaha. And so, that race and, and the others in Pennsylvania will put to the test in November something that the left has always said, that the way to win some of these swing seats is not with a former Republican like Brad Ashford, who sort of still is one and lost in 2016, and, and you're just going to run him again because you can't think of what else to do, saying, no, actually, put somebody up who's for a, a $15 minimum wage, for free college, for Medicare for all, proudly pro-choice, who, 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 who believes in what she says, and then let voters make a choice uh, between uh, what they have on the ballot. Now we, now we get to see that play out in November. Ryan Grimm, we want to thank you for being with us. Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief for The Intercept, latest piece. We'll link to it, democracynow.org, ahead of vote on Gina Haspel's Senate polls access to damning classified memo. All right, so there we go. And something similar from Mike.com, MIC.com. Native American woman wins Democratic primary for Idaho governor's race. Paulette Jordan, and this came out, uh, it's written by AP Joyce on May 15th. Paulette Jordan, a state senator and member of the Coeur d'Alene tribe, has won the Democratic nomination for governor of Idaho. 
The New York Times called the race for Jordan just before 1 a.m. Eastern time, with Jordan leading her Democratic opponent by around 20 percentage points. The 38-year-old Jordan was the progressive favorite in the race, while Idaho's Democratic establishment lined up behind businessman. Why would you vote for a businessman? Uh, people. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take a few breaths here. All right. <clears throat> the 38-year-old Jordan was the progressive favorite in the race, while Idaho's Democratic establishment lined up behind businessman A.J. Balukov, who ran for governor unsuccessfully in 2014. Balukov, a moderate who contributed to Mitt Romney's 2008 and 2012 campaigns, ran as a pro-business candidate, while Jordan focused on populist issues, calling out state Republicans for their ties to big business interests. If she manages to win the general election in November, Jordan would be the country's first ever governor from a Native American tribe, and Hawaii has had elected governors of Native Hawaiian descent. Jordan faces a steep uphill battle in a deeply conservative state, which voted for Trump in 2016 by more than 30 percentage points. But progressive activists in the state are hoping to boost Democratic turnout by putting Medicaid expansion on the ballot. That move could help boost Jordan's chances of a red state upset in 2018. Let's hope that happens. And yes. So here we are. It's about 141. And I think we should probably wrap up the the program before I read another piece of news that will make me feel more depressed. So we're going to end on a, on a positive note. Positivity, good energy out there, recognizing that a lot of things that are happening are deeply unfair and violent and problematic. And at the same time, there are positive things happening. And thinking about the upcoming film festival, the Women of Color Film Festival, Queer Women of Color Film Festival happening June 8th to 10th. And we'll be talking more about that and promoting it more in the upcoming weeks. So there are really incredible, good, positive things happening in the world and wanting to sit with that and remember that. Thank you so much for listening in. Uh, This has been Roman. And coming up next at 2 p.m. will be Women's Magazine with Global Val, followed by the Common Thread Collective, followed by the Comedy Open Mic, followed by Pam's Comedy Clubhouse. There's a lot of great shows here on Mutiny Radio. Go to mutinyradio.fm to check out our full schedule. And again, if you're interested in having a show here of your own, please do get in touch with us. We would love to have you be part of our Mutiny family. Aww. So, sending lots of love out there to all the folks listening. Positive energy out there. And we'll be just uh, playing off with some music and a happy birthday to my dad. And yeah, so yeah, okay. All right. And again, for folks to check out the Queer Women of Color Film Festival webpage, check out festival2018.qwocmap.org. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll be back next week. Anyone, we 
of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2pm. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2pm. you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Run! 
Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.Evan. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics, it's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere fun. $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skin Care. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base 10 times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you properly feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body-nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join thegreenarmy.com. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Barn Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, we've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Uh, every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot of bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open uh, in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shout. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. 
with a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Oh, yeah. It goes down. Come smoke with your boy. Grinder. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Coming at these bitches and all these snitches hitting switches going racks to riches. Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Their bulk section is dope AF. I love their their variety of cheese and home decor items uh, and this of unique items that you can't find anywhere else. Their cheese section is insane. I love Rainbow Grocery because it's the number one grocery store to shop at when you're having a potluck and need to fulfill everyone's dietary needs. They don't have meat. Rainbow Grocery Cooperative, an amazing San Francisco staple since 1975. For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com